Welcome to the next episode of the Woodward Financial Advisors Podcast. Ben Birkin along with Victor Kalala. Victor, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Ben. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, it's Friday as we record this, although I think as we were talking offline a little bit a while ago, in the middle of this quarantine pandemic, the days of the week seem to have lost the meanings that they might have had a couple of months ago. Every day is casual Friday. <laughs> That's exactly right. So it's just, it's day. It's day. Yeah. There's just day and night. Um, we, uh, we're currently, for folks who've been listening all along, we've mentioned that the title of this podcast may not always stay as the Woodward Financial Advisors podcast. We're currently running an in-house contest to come up with a great, catchy, witty name for the podcast. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be huge development, probably award-winning. I'm optimistic. Uh, yeah. And we we've actually had to bribe our our internal folks to you know spawn some creativity with a, with a bit of an award. So I'm very optimistic after seeing some early suggestions. If we learn nothing from economics, it's that incentives matter. Right? <laughs> That's for sure. So along those lines, and in conjunction with the series that we've been running, this is the third part of our four part series about. What are some tactical, strategic things that folks can do during market downturns, right? Periods when the markets are not behaving along with their historical trend, which is upwards. Uh, the first one, we talked about rebalancing. The second part of the series was about tax loss harvesting. This third part of the series is about Roth conversions. So taking money that might be in a traditional individual retirement account or 401k and converting it into the Roth flavor of those two accounts. We'll talk about those details in just a little bit. But Victor, as we get started, um, talk a little bit about um, what a, oh, I should say, before we get into that, yeah, typical I, disclosure, we're, we're going to talk walkers. about tax-related stuff. There will be tax-related stuff in this episode. So please do not take anything that we say as investment or tax advice. If you have specific questions related to your particular situation, please contact your tax advisor and your financial advisor. Same holds true with anything that we talk about on the investment-related side. Nothing that we say should be construed as a, a advice or suggestion to buy a particular product or investment. Woo, that yeah. saved us from some serious hassle. Thank you. <laughs> I can, see, oh I can my hear goodness. the lawyers, the lawyers who are listening. I could hear them uh, sort of uh, getting excited about uh, our future liability. Exactly. So now everybody can just sit back down, take a deep breath. We're all good. So, uh, Victor, talk to us a little about, bit about the differences between maybe a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. Yeah, and and to all the, all joking aside with our disclaimer, I think when it comes to discussions of traditional versus Roth, I think one thing you'll find after our conversation is that tax brackets matter, and tax brackets are very individual, and year to year can be very different. So uh, we do mean it. Uh, there's no blanket statements here, but. Yeah, so as we have done on uh, on other podcasts similar to this one, best taking a step back and defining. So there are two major flavors of retirement accounts. Now they go by many names. There's an alphabet soup of 401ks, 403bs, 401as, uh, SEP IRA. There, there's a million different versions of it, but basically two flavors: traditional, which is tax deferred, and Roth. And I'm not even going to say IRAs, but IRAs, 401ks, any of them work. So traditional and Roth. So traditional means that you're basically, you, you're saying, I want to defer this paycheck until the future from a tax perspective. So 
if you put $10,000 into your 401 traditional 401k this year, you're saying I'm going to get a deduction in the year that I make the contribution or defer it from my paycheck or whatever it is. And whenever I take that money out of the account, maybe it's in 30 years, hopefully it's in 30 years or more. Um, if that money has doubled or tripled, you pay tax on every dollar that comes out of the account as ordinary income, which is a tax term, but it's it just may, means that you're paying tax on it at whatever your marginal tax bracket is. Right. So I put the money in pre-tax. It's never been taxed before. The government's always going to get its money somehow. So they're going to tax me on the way out from a traditional perspective. When I take money out is when I have to pay the taxes on it. Exactly. And and this is so also worth mentioning, you know, in the last episode we recorded, which was about tax loss harvesting, we are living in a world where you're getting taxed as you are buying and selling things in the account. For both traditional and Roth, you're in, under an, I like to think of it as an umbrella. You're shielded from all of the buying and selling costs from a tax perspective. So there's only two times you can be taxed when you put the money in or when you take the money out, which it will take me to my Roth now. So in a traditional, you're being taxed when you take the money out. In a Roth, it's the inversion of the traditional. So you're saying, I'm choosing to pay the tax today. So let's say you make that same $10,000 of income. Maybe there's $8,000 left after you pay taxes. You put $8,000 into the Roth account and it can quintuple over the next however many years. When you take that money out, you never have to pay tax again. So when you pay tax on the income, when any money that goes on into a Roth IRA or 401k or any of the other types of accounts, you're never paying tax on that money again. Um, even even on, on your gains on gains or contributions, right? Gains, contributions, any of it. That money is tax free for the rest of your life and to an extent to those who inherit the money, which has changed recently. It's a whole can of worms that we're not going to go into right now. Right. So and I think the way that we frame there there are some nuances, right, about how long the account has to be open before you can take stuff out of a Roth IRA penalty free or tax free. And there are some ex- exceptions for both accounts from the traditional IRA and the Roth IRA for being able to take out certain dollar amounts or certain times when you can do it penalty free. But that's the way I think big picture we want to frame it. Traditional is tax deferred. You pay taxes later. Roth is you pay taxes now tax free later. Yeah. And in general, they're retirement accounts. So those, those restrictions that Ben's alluding to, you can't take the money out until you're of retirement aged, which is defined in different ways. Right. Um, and in the case of traditional IRAs, 401ks, and other retirement accounts, not only are you able to take the money out at a certain time, but there's a point a- after which you have to take money out in certain predetermined amounts, and that's required minimum distributions. So Uncle Sam says, you still haven't paid tax on this money. It's time to pay the piper. And every year you have a required amount starting after a tax legislation uh, last year at 72 for folks who are now turning 72 um, based on your life expectancy, a variety of things that you have to take the money out. So, you know, one of the things that we talk about is you have these two flavors. It's not one or the other, right? People can have both types of accounts. And the whole point of this episode is that if you have money in one type of the traditional IRA, you can, if you want to, and decide it's a good idea, convert money 
into the Roth IRA, right? But sometimes as we talk about that, sometimes when we describe this difference between Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs, people say, well, if the Roth IRA is tax-free, don't I always want that one? And the answer is maybe not, right? Sometimes the traditional IRA wins. So talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, so that's that's where tax brackets matter, um, like we had mentioned before. So reasons why you would contribute in one versus the other, maybe that's the way that I'll take this, is for if you're in a really low tax bracket today and you're thinking maybe later on into the future, I'll be in a higher tax bracket, maybe because I have huge amounts in traditional IRAs, those are RMDs, those required minimum distributions are going to happen. Um, or maybe I'm going to have a high paying job later and I have a low paying job now, whatever it is. Maybe you want to pay the taxes now and not pay the taxes later. So that's the Roth option. If it's the flip side. So I think uh, a lot of folks have thought about this as the classic retirement situation. You're making a bunch of money when you're working and when you retire, your income basically goes to not nothing because you owe social security and other stuff, but a lot less. Maybe you want to pay the taxes later. That's the traditional IRA. So in a basic sense, you're talking about, is my tax bracket going to be higher or lower in the future than it is today? So when I'm taking the money out versus when I'm putting it in. Is that a, that's a basic. Yeah. And I think that nuances, but there are nuances, but I think that's the idea. So if you're high income right now, traditional 401k is probably going to be your best bet. If we live in this world where you're going to have to pay taxes, sometimes try to pay them when they're going to be their lowest and get your deductions when your income is going to be at its highest. Um, And there's also the idea too, of we don't know what tax rates are going to be in the future. So sometimes you're making a guess. Sometimes you're making a bet, I guess would be a different way of thinking about it. I suppose one way we like to think about it is having buckets of money in all three types of tax regimes, tax deferred, tax free, and after tax accounts, which is kind of what we were talking about in the last episode with tax loss reharvest, uh, tax loss harvesting, where capital gains rates rule the day. Yeah. But you have to pay taxes every year on stuff that happens in those accounts. So you got three different things going on. Maybe it's a good idea to have a little bit in both so you can be strategic about where money comes from. Yeah, and I like to call that tax diversification too. We're mm-hmm. used to the I- idea of diversification from an investment standpoint, which you're doing to control the risk that one of your buckets one of your investments doesn't do what you wanted it to. So in the case of Roth versus IRA, if tax rates for everyone spike in the future, then it'll be good to have some of your money in a Roth account where you don't have to pay tax again. And the opposite is true as well. So if tax rates go down through the floor and you, you know you have very, very low tax rates, maybe the other, it'll be good to have in different buckets. So tax diversification, just like investments. And I think, too, you might have mentioned this, but just in case you didn't, you said with traditional IRAs, there comes a point you hit age 72, traditional IRAs, 401ks, regardless, you have to take money out for your required minimum distributions. Roth IRAs do not have that same requirement. Yep. So once inside of a Roth IRA, um, assuming it's not an inherited Roth IRA, right, where somebody has left it to you at their death, if it's your own Roth IRA, you don't ever have to take out a required minimum distribution. You don't have to have to take out anything if you don't want to. So key difference there too, right? Yeah. Now, now it's, it's worth mentioning how you get money into these accounts uh, yeah. before we start talking about maybe reasons to do a Roth, how they mechanically work. But for Roth IRAs, at least, there is an income limitation. So after a certain point, 
so let's say you make over, I, I don't have the numbers on the top of my head, but I think it's depending if you're a single payer or a married filing jointly, but upper There's some ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Upper hundred thousand near, near 200,000 is where the ceiling is for married filing jointly. Um, after that point, you're not allowed to put money into a Roth IRA. 401ks work differently. Um, different flavors of these retirement accounts have different rules, but you may make too much money to put money into a Roth the regular way. Or so, alternatively, you might not make any money at all. And without any income, you can't contribute, make a direct contribution to either a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, right? You have to have earned income to actually put contributions in. Yeah. And that that's a great point, especially for folks who have retired, where you had income and now you don't. Your tax rates are very, very, very low, but you have no earned income. You don't even work at the grocery store or whatever it is. So you technically can't put new money in, but Roth conversions are on the table. So let's start diving into what specifically conversions. So Ben, you do a good job with this one. So I basically, yeah, I, I frame it as when you convert, you're taking money out of one box and putting it into another box. So a conversion is simply taking money out of a traditional IRA and putting it into your Roth IRA. Now, when you do that, that's technically considered a distribution from your traditional IRA, which means it's taxable. You have to pay taxes on that conversion. Um, so this isn't free. It's not just filing a piece of paper, right? There's going to be some cost to it. But it's important to remember that any of these conversions, it's not all or none, right? Let's say I have a $100,000 traditional IRA and I want to convert it into a Roth. I can convert the whole thing, but I can convert a small amount too. Maybe I only want to convert $5,000 or $10,000. So you can be strategic in terms of how much you convert from one account into the other account. And that becomes very important in a world where we might be trying to manage the tax obligation for these conversions. Maybe you say, I don't want to convert anything that's going to push me into a higher tax bracket. Great. We know where the tax brackets start and stop. We can have a pretty good estimation of what somebody's income might be for the year. And we can say, okay, if we don't want to go over that line, here's our window. Unfortunately, in the last couple of years, um, the IRS and Congress has taken away what had been a really nice technique, which was you used to be able to say, if I didn't like the outcome, I could undo some of it or all of it with something yeah, called the yeah. yeah, that's gone. So it's become a lot more important now to get a good handle on what income might be if we're going to make a strategic conversion because you can't undo anything anymore. Yeah. But So talk to your tax possible. preparer, uh, especially Absolutely. on that one, because they're going to have a really good sense of the, the big picture of your taxes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think maybe it's worth coming back now to we're in a down market. Why does that matter when it comes to Roth conversions? Um, Absolutely. So if we think about what a down market means in terms of future expected returns from the stock market, obviously we don't know what those are going to be, but pretty decent assumption to say that after the market drops 20, 30%, that returns going forward are going to be higher than before that drop. So if I do a conversion now, I can take money out of my traditional IRA when it's down, pay taxes on this lower dollar amount, get that same money into my Roth so that when the rebound in the market actually happens, I've now got more money growing in the account where I never have to pay taxes again. So I've just switched buckets to get a greater tax-free return on some portion of my money. Yeah. And and 
I, I'll sort of use an example to illustrate it, I think. It's worth saying, first of all, that there are no income limitations on a Roth conversion like there is regular contributions. So I'm not right. sure They're we mentioned me, that but That's been gone for a little while now. Anybody so, can convert. So in my example, let's say you've got $100,000 in a Roth IRA from an old employer or something like that. That your goal is to contribute that hundred thousand dollars into a traditional IRA before you retire. So this is this happens, right? This could be a real situation. If you convert all of that money in a market that's constantly going up, the amount that you're going to have to ultimately pay taxes on is going to be going up as your as the value of your account goes up. But if all of a sudden overnight, like happened this year, over a period of a few weeks. The equity markets really they they came back by thirty five percent. If you look at U.S. stocks, you basically just got a thirty five percent discount on taxes paid for whatever it is the amount that you converted. And then when that when that money rebounds again, uh, again it's going to be tax free. So it, it it's a really good time if the rest of it makes sense. If your tax situation still makes sense, if all of the other boxes are checked. Down markets can be a powerful opportunity to juice the Roth conversions. Yeah. So we've got some clients who have been making strategic Roth conversions for a period of years. Um, they were going to do it anyway. A market downturn provides them the opportunity to maybe accelerate that or do it at an opportune time, right? They were going to do it anyway. Let's We can move the same dollar amount over that we would have otherwise, but now the future expected growth on those dollars is even higher. So again, this isn't going to work for everybody. For some people, it's not going to make a lick of difference because one of the key components in this analysis is that if your marginal rates aren't going to change between now when you might do a conversion and when you're going to take money out of a traditional account, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. It doesn't really matter. There might be psychological reasons. You might just want to not have to worry about taxes. You might not have to want to worry about required minimum distributions. But the math works out such that if your marginal rate doesn't change, it kind of doesn't matter. But if your marginal rate is going to change or you think it's going to change, this can be a nice kicker. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a nice kicker, especially for some folks who maybe they're choosing to convert to a Roth because this is money that they're going to pass on to their next generation. And they're saying, I would rather pay the taxes than them have to pay it when they inherit the dollars. And in a down market, you're just getting a discount on those taxes. But um, the Roth conversion was going to make sense anyways. It just made a little bit more sense now. And that's th- this is really a tactical thing around the edges of the big picture. Uh, right. It's not going to make or break, but it, it can help. Yep. Um, which is our- and there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot more that we can talk about just in terms of Roth conversions. And that might be its own good follow-up episode later on. Yeah. But you know, to your point, one of the last things you said was when you leave an account to your heirs, if it's a Roth, they still have to take out distributions, right? They still have to empty the account within a 10-year time frame based on the stuff that got passed towards the end of last year. But the tax nature of those distributions follows the account. So if you inherit a Roth, yeah, you might have to take money out, but you don't have to pay any taxes on it. So it can be a, sometimes a nice estate planning tool in some yeah. cases. And it's worth saying, whereas if they had inherited a traditional account of the same value, they their tax bracket may really get spiked because they've got to still take it out over that predetermined amount of time. Uh, 
and now it's they're getting money, right? So it's it's not gonna they'll probably be okay, but uh, I think it's some folks really just want to pass the money on as in the best way possible. That's right. Now there's a complicating factor here, Ben, that can can really change the calculus for Roth conversions. Do you want to serve that up for the people? Sure. So we mentioned that when you do a conversion from a traditional to a Roth, again, that's a distribution, so you have to pay taxes on it. Where the money comes from to pay those taxes can sometimes be a deciding factor as to whether or not this makes sense. So just like with a traditional, uh, any regular distribution from a traditional IRA, you can elect to have taxes withheld at the source. So you go to your broker, brokerage company, you say, I want to do this distribution or this conversion. Please withhold the appropriate amount of money to pay the ensuing tax bill. Or you could elect to not have taxes withheld and pay the taxes from an outside source when your tax bill comes due. Most of the math behind this suggests that if you can only pay the tax bill by having dollars withheld from the distribu- from the conversion amount, this isn't going to work out so well because you're taking money away from a tax deferred account that could continue to grow. You have to take out more to actually get the same dollar amount into your Roth. Yeah. So if for- you can pay the taxes outside, you can get however much money you want in and have the taxes ready to go squirreled away well, with yeah. a, an after-tax account. I think an, ex- an example illustrates this one well. So let's say you're converting $10,000. If you withhold, so you're converting 10000 from a Roth into a traditional. If you're withholding, you may only get $8,000 invested in the Roth IRA after the conversion. So you had $10,000 invested before. Now you have $8,000 invested after. I, I don't have to tell you that that's not quite as good as if you... Maybe you have some cash on the sidelines that you can use that's not invested, that you can use to pay the taxes. Then you have $10,000 fully invested in the Roth, that all of it is now under that umbrella of a tax shelter and you don't eventually have to pay uh, your income tax on it. So be careful. And, And in a down market, this can be especially salient. If you're using your emergency fund to pay the taxes, and maybe now you don't have an emergency fund. <laughs> and in the time of coronavirus, uh, you know, COVID-19 pandemic, maybe jobs are at risk more than they normally would be. You just want to be really careful. Don't uh, lose the sort of sight of the big picture. And this we'll talk about more in the financial planning episode, which is our next uh, in this series. But the big picture really matters. If you're, if you're you know, converting away your emergency fund, and then you lose your job. I'm not sure the Roth conversion was going made you any better off because you're going to probably have to take some of that money right back out, and there are penalties associated, and there's a whole uh, other side yeah. to it. So I think that's probably a good place for us to wrap up as we think about the end of this episode and the previous two. These were singular tactics, right? Rebalancing, tax loss harvesting, Roth conversions in a vacuum, um, helpful but maybe better viewed within the larger wrapper of revisiting and thinking about your longer term financial plan, which is going to be the next and last part of this series. So uh, we want to leave folks wanting more. So maybe this is a good place for us to stop and just say um, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to see uh, more, um, please leave us a review. We're in the Apple podcast ecosystem. So please leave us a review, give us a ranking so that more folks can find us. You can learn more about us at woodwardadvisors.com, or you can also, if you want to, just leave us a comment 
on any of the places we've got on the website for anything and just say, hey, like the podcast, like the show, would love to hear more about this. I've got a question about this. So please go there if you want to communicate with us about the podcast or anything else related to what we do. Yeah, we'd love to dedicate time on this podcast to specifically the questions and topics that you'd like to hear about. There's nothing that would make us happier. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Everybody, we'll talk to you next time.